Welcome to the State of the Outdoors, where we tell you straight what's going on at the local, state, and federal levels that impacts our outdoor heritage. Our intent is to inform and empower sportsmen and women to get involved. We'll try not to editorialize or sensationalize the issues of the day. My partner in this venture is none other than our 4th District Director for Kentucky Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Ben Bishop. Appreciate you, brother. What you been up to? Uh, since we last talked in the last recorded episode, not a whole lot between also coach baseball and so that's starting up and then uh, having the flu knock me out for a little bit. Uh, I haven't uh, I haven't done a whole lot as far as uh, as far as getting outside and being able to do 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 much with that. So well, I'm glad you survived the funk, brother. It it's was, going around. It was uh, it was it was touch and go there for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you're exaggerating i'm sure you're exaggerating yeah i uh you know i spend so much time working on this legislation and stuff that's going on at the state level and and uh it the session started on january 7th and then by the 21st of february was the last day that uh any legislator could put in a bill request mm-hmm. And so as soon as the 21st of February rolled around, I, I was like, I've got to get the hell out of this winter weather. Yeah. And uh, I threw my kayak and my bike on top of the truck and uh, booked a campsite in Key Largo nice. and went down there. And uh, the weather report gave me four days um, with good enough weather that I could paddle out um, uh, because I like to paddle out and basically anchor up behind a small island. But where I'm actually fishing open water, where the, mm-hmm. the current's coming around the island and helping me, you know, move my baits and stuff. And, I, and I'm a live bait fisherman, but uh, I fished for two days. I caught some sharks, some barracuda, uh, some nice mangrove snapper, and a ton of just little crazy crap fish. It was a blast. Um, awesome. And uh, I got some serious exercise, about two hours of paddling a day. But a cold front rent came in. It was supposed to give me four days. It gave me two and a half days, and I was just bummed, man. Yeah. And uh, I was heading heading back through um, Tennessee, and I get into the Smoky Mountains, and just north of Chattanooga, it's snowing. So I just left Key Largo, mm-hmm. and I'm in Chattanooga, just north of Chattanooga, and it's snowing. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? I got like a three-day break from the winter. Three days yeah. total with all that driving. And uh, What's the temperature like in Key Largo? Oh, man, the temperature in Key Largo was... Um, like the first two days was like low 80s for a high and i'm sleeping in my hammock at night and it's nice. like 58 at night oh dude it was awesome so long story short i tried to get the heck out but you know there's really nothing to hunt by the time you get to this time of year um yeah. we'll do some scouting here soon and uh, just got done doing a field to fork turkey deal helping people learn about that but um i did not have the flu and I That's am good news. And I am so bad at baseball that they would not let me coach. <laughs> so you're you you got that on me for sure. Um, <laughs> at least you're at least you're so good at baseball they let you coach high school kids. Uh, I like to think so anyway. Yeah, you throw the ball to me and there's a really good chance it just hit me. Yeah. Um, but uh, so what's going on at the national level, man? Uh, we've got uh we've got three things to go over here. It won't take me too long, but. The first thing I want to go over is something that we talked about in uh, the first episode, the uh, what's going on at the Tongass in Alaska. And with that, uh, the public comment period for that is over now. Uh, they, uh, there's basically the timeline for this year is uh, 
to get a website up for them. And then um, they're going to publish some um, what the comments were, like for the public comments. The uh, They had tribal meetings as well. That All that should be published for, to see. And then, um, the, oh, there's the, the environmental impact study. Oh, that yeah. Will be, that will be released. And then... Yeah, they call that the EIS. The EIS, yeah. Yeah. Environmental impact Absolutely. study. Mm-hmm. And then um, we should be getting a ruling on that at some point this year in okay. 2020. Uh, number two, what we'll go to is uh, the United States Forest Service Public Access Project. Uh, the Forest Service has, uh, they've identified 90,000 acres where access could be created or improved throughout all the U.S., and uh, now they're looking for the public's uh, the public's help, the insight, you know, on other tracts of land that can that ha- that can have access improved to it. Uh, so basically, the um, the requirements for that's got to be at least 640 contiguous acres, and it has to be unreachable by foot, horseback, or non-motorized or motorized vehicles, and has to be managed by the Forest Service. So, if you know of a tract of land that's at least 640 acres that has little to no access. Let the Forest Service know, and uh, they'll work on uh, improving the access for that. Hmm. And and it's public nominations for those tracts of land. Yes. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. They're they're trying to reach out and get everything they can to get us access to it. So that's good. Uh, lastly, here is uh, something that kind of came as a little bit of a, of a surprise, I would think. After uh, the national budget that was released back in mid-February, the President Trump, he uh, wants uh, the Senate to put a bill on his desk for the full funding and permanent reauthorization of Land and Water Conservation Fund. And all the people said, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Exactly, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, from its inception, it has never been fully funded, has it? No. So this would be, you know, a landmark signing if if right. it goes through and, and if this is if, if anyone's listened to this podcast for the first time the land and water conservation fund the lwcf has put public projects into every county in the nation That's so wild. even urban counties have been able to use the land and water conservation fund to put in like parks and pools meanwhile you know counties in especially western states that have you know forestry units or blm land have you been able to use that money you know on bigger tracts of land but Mm -hmm. the lwcf is funded by offshore revenue from offshore um oil and gas production yep so it it is a great deal and and i'm telling you ben that shocked me because president trump's initial budget took all the money out yeah slashed it and then all of a sudden, this week, what did he do? Uh, yeah, he, uh, that was on uh, the 3rd of March. He tweets out he wants the legislation on his desk to sign. To put the money all back. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I yeah, love it. that's <laughs> something I don't think any sportsman saw coming at no. all. Blind but side. it's great. I mean, it's uh, bipartisan legislation. It'll be brought forth by uh, Senators Joe Manchin out of West Virginia, Corey Gardner out of Colorado, Mark Warner out of Virginia and Steve Daines out of Montana. Nice. So let's well, let's let's hope they get that through the Senate and uh, get that over to President Trump's desk. That'll be good. Yeah, I mean that'll be that'll probably there. I will go so far as to say that 
we won't see if that gets signed and the land and water conservation fund is is permanently funded we probably won't see anything that big for a decade that that is huge yeah 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 we have especially with it never being you know fully funded before oh well it was it came up on a um for review just to reauthorize the act every year yeah and then last year the act got permanently authorized but Mm -hmm. no funding for the act right yeah. Um, for the fund, excuse this, me. This will take care of both. Oh, man, that's badass. Yeah. Yeah, so let's hope for that. And that's that's all I've got for the national side. I know we've got uh, – we've had some – a lot of activity going on in the state – on the state side of things. So I'll throw that over to you, and uh, you can let us know about all that. Yeah. Um, <coughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, we've got some, some not-so-great things to report in the state. But, you know, it is our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we vowed to the sportsmen and women that we would not editorialize or sensationalize. We would just report what's going on to help them be informed so they could take action. Uh, and in the first two podcasts, uh, I talked about, especially in the first podcast, what I called the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room was really that we had a new governor, uh, Andy Bashir, and we had a new secretary of tourism, Mike Berry. And they were replacing uh, Governor Matt Bevan and Secretary of Tourism Don Parkinson. And Bevan and Parkinson were terrible for sportsmen and women Mm -hmm. to the point where the League of Kentucky Sportsmen sent a letter to the governor's office asking for Secretary Parkinson's removal and an investigation into our current commissioner of Fish and Wildlife. Now, of course, that didn't happen. But when the League of Kentucky Sportsmen, which is, of course, our umbrella organization for all the clubs foundations uh and societies um that we all belong to in the state sends something that strongly worded to the governor's office it's legit yeah so we went into that election cycle thinking that sportsmen weren't going to vote for bevan because he's been so bad for us and that turned out to be true and we got a new governor and of course he appointed a new secretary of tourism mike berry and you know we're generally hopeful people sportsmen mm-hmm. when we go fishing we think we're going to catch fish today yeah when we go hunting we think well we're gonna you know get a bird or get a deer or get a bear you gotta be optimistic gotta be an optimist um so we were optimistic that uh governor Bashir and secretary barry would be good for sportsmen and uh that's not true um yeah, unfortunately not so hot of a start out of the gate no 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 if this was a horse race he came out of the gate and hung a left yeah um the first indicator was the governor's budget. Um, governor Bashir, um, like any governor, uh, sends a budget um, from his office uh, to the House um, Budget Committee, Finance and Budget Committee, and then it's up to the chair of the House Finance and Budget Committee, uh, who right now is, is uh, Representative Stephen Rudy. Um, from the 1st District in Western Kentucky, Republican. Um, And it's his job as the chairman of that committee to turn the governor's budget into a bill. Mm -hmm. And so he turned that into House Bill 352, and that was the first time we sportsmen got to look at it. And um, the the big glaring, um, you know, giant neon sign that scared us all to death was the governor's pulling in his budget $5.5 million from the Department of Fish and Wildlife Every year over two years. And, of course, in the state of Kentucky, 
all of our budgets are two years long. Yeah. Um, so over the biennium, over two years, that 5.5 is obviously $11 million. Mm-hmm. If you do the math, that's 8% of the Department of Fish and Wildlife's budget. The challenge with that is only about 20 to 25% of the Department of Fish and Wildlife's total budget is what we call discretionary. Um, to pay for everyone's salaries, pensions, medical care, uh, maintenance on facilities, maintenance on equipment is about 70 to 75% of their budget. So to do great things for sportsmen and women is only 20 to 25% of their budget. Well, when you remove 8 to 9% of the budget yeah, over two years, yeah. there's, no, there's really no money left to do any grand projects. Yeah. It's just small good things for sportsmen on the margins. So that was a huge indicator that, that uh, Governor Bashir, even though a lot of us voted against Bevin, which benefited Governor Bashir, mm-hmm. um, and we voted against Parkinson, which benefited our new Secretary of Tourism, Mike Berry, um, it was the first indicator that our new governor is not our friend. Yep. So we, we sportsmen who are in charge of different organizations across the state all sent letters, not just to legislators, but the governor's office, and we got back this insanely worded hard to understand financial misdirection mm-hmm. and the bottom line is this the governor's office said he fully funded the department by pulling a bunch of money from other areas but that then he also needed to go back to the department and pull 11 million you don't pull 11 million out of your checking account <laughs> and then replace it with 14 million from somewhere else it's you know it's the shell game yeah that if if he wanted to leave us fully funded, then just leave the boat the five point five million from each year is coming from the boat of registration, mm-hmm. and he could have just left that alone, and we could have kept the eleven million over two years, and then he wouldn't need to replace it with some money from somewhere else. The yeah. fact is, they're not replacing it with money from somewhere else. One of the other things his budget director said was, the department was going to be flush with money because we're getting a a one time injection of funds from the Department of Interior and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service of twelve point five million. Well. Here's the story on that. That's Pittman-Robertson and Dingle-Johnson reimbursement monies. That's not a one-time windfall. That's not manna from heaven. That's not free chicken. Mm -hmm. That's money the department's already spent that the Department of Interior and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are required to reimburse us 75% of the cost of those projects due to Dingle-Johnson and Pittman-Robertson funding parameters. So... It's all a, it's it's a mess when it comes to the funding, and uh, we figured out very quickly by listening to Secretary Barry's testimony that he is not for sportsmen; he is a party man. Um, we figured out very quickly that uh, we do have some friends in the legislature. Um, David Hale being uh, one of the legislators that that really, in testimony, um, spoke up for and defended us as sportsmen and women. So if David Hale is your legislator in your district. Um, you can pat him on the back and thank him. He did a really good job for us. The great news is is that bill has made it out of uh, the House Budget Committee, uh, was voted in the House um, and approved in the House, and when it was voted and approved in the House, that $11 million was returned by our legislators. Good. So that money is no longer uh, leaving the department in the current version of the bill that is now in the Senate. So the governor's budget bill is now in the Senate, and and our legislators in the House put that $11 million back in over the two years. Okay. So we thought we were doing good there, and we're like, okay, maybe the governor just didn't understand that, you know, the Department of Fish and Wildlife is not funded by the general fund. Mm-hmm. You know, 50% of the department's budget 
comes from hunting, fishing, and trapping license sales. 35% comes from federal reimbursement through Pittman Robertson and Dingle Johnson grants, which is also sportsman's money because we pay the excise taxes that are held at the Department of Interior and then paid back through U.S. Fish and Wildlife to us Mm -hmm. in grants. That's sportsmen and women's money that we pay as excise taxes on our hunting, fishing, and shooting equipment. And then out of the final 15%, 8% is voter registration. And out of that uh, 15, if you take the 8 out, that leaves 7. And and that every year, that 7% of the department's budget is a – it's – not the same every year. It tends to be um, grants that the department wrote to places like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation who may help us do a uh, habitat project or it may be a gift um, from some other agency. So yep. really um, 93 to 94% of the budget every year comes directly or indirectly out of sportsmen and women's pockets. Mm-hmm. So that money they were going to take um, for boater, boating registration wasn't their money to begin with. It was our money. And we already pay our taxes. So we pay these fees, these excise taxes, and these license fees on top of our regular taxes. Mm-hmm. So the department takes no money from the general fund, and they were going to take this money. And um, we really also need to um, thank the uh, Lyon County um, Judge Executive. Uh, that gentleman really came out hard against the removal of this money. And um, one of the reasons he came out hard against it is he's in, you know, smack dab in the war on Asian carp. Yeah. And part of the part of raising the boater registration fee two years ago was part of that money would be earmarked for the fight on Asian carp. Mm-hmm. So it um, it's a really a good deal that the house um, put that money back in to the budget. Now we just have to wait and see what the Senate's going to do. Yeah. Um, the the dust did not settle there. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, we thought that maybe that was the only thing that went on that the governor was gonna gonna do here in the first 90 days that was really not for sportsmen, and then we got word that he di- required the existing commissioners to verify their party membership, and then after his office or his administration required them to verify the party membership, he summarily dismissed two of the commissioners. Um, he basically fired. The first district, excuse me, the ninth district commissioner, Dr. Carl Kleinard, who happens to be the chair of the commission, mm-hmm. and he fired um, Mr. Paul Horn, who's the seventh district commissioner, and he did it without due process, um, which is completely shocking because he used to be the attorney general. Yeah. So our current governor, I who, had no idea about all that, who was the attorney general, mm-hmm. he simply dismisses two commissioners, and here's the part that blows my mind. Our commissioners cannot be summarily dismissed. Kentucky Revised Statute 150.022 says commissioners can only be sent home by the governor through the following due process. They have to be given at least 10 days notice, and they have to be given cause. And they're given that cause in that 10 days notice because it gives them a chance to rebut the governor Mm -hmm. and why he's dismissing them, but it also gives them 10 days to potentially hire a lawyer and file an injunction and Franklin Circuit Court yep. to prevent their removal until an investigation is complete. Well, the governor just dismissed them. And so here we have a Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting coming up on the 20th of this month. And our chairman of our commission, a volunteer commissioner that, that we nominated, that previous governor appointed, mm-hmm. has been dismissed. And then um, 
Mr. Paul Horn out of the 7th has been dismissed, Eastern Kentucky District. And so we don't know where that's going to go. Um, the rumors are anything from, well, it's a misunderstanding on the good end, to there's three other commissioners that are going to come up and their terms are going to end this summer. And so that's the two the governor's dismissed and the three more whose terms are going to end this summer. That's a total of five. We have a nine-member commission. The governor then was, would be able to, this summer, appoint five commissioners to do his bidding, not yeah. not our bidding, and then would have a majority on the Fish and Wildlife Commission. So smooth. It's it's you know it's it's the same song, second verse. Yep. We watch Governor Bevan do this, um, and it seems like you know we sportsmen and women come from all walks of life, all political parties all professions and there's over 600,000 of us in the state and we continue to be marginalized and we really organized around getting rid of Parkinson and Bevan um, and we can pretty well say that we swung 15,000 to 18,000 votes for Bashir by people refusing to vote for Bevan and voting for the libertarian candidate mm -hmm. instead are people abstaining from voting yeah. just just I'm not gonna vote for the governor because I can't vote for the Democrat but I also can't vote for Bevan because he's been so bad for sportsmen and women. And so we helped swing an election for Bashir, who in the first 90 days comes out and basically runs us into the ditch. Yeah. So not good news from the governor's office. And um, we look for some changes. There's a lot of folks like me and other leaders in the sportsman's community that have sent very strongly worded, very professional letters all the way up the chain of command. And um, we're just going to have to see where it goes. Um uh, I truly believe after talking to some senators, uh, including my district senator, who's the minority floor leader in the Senate, uh, Morgan McGarvey, he is for putting that money back in. So the $11 million of voting registration fees over two years. So I think that's going to get fixed. I don't know where we're going to go with the dismissal of two of our Fish and Wildlife Commissioners. I think potentially the, the new Attorney General is going to get involved because our old Attorney General, now our Governor, mm -hmm. didn't follow the law. When you dismiss these two guys. Yeah. So it's a mess. It's a hot mess. Yeah. I, um, had, I had no idea about that until you just said it. Well, you know, you've been down with the flu, and uh, I didn't necessarily want to <laughs> <wanna> bother <laughs> you. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been on the phone with, actually, Dr. Kleiner, the chair of the commission. He and I have a relationship because I try to lead some of the sportsmen in, in a direction that's cooperative or collaborative with the department. And, of course, he, he does the leadership of our Fish and Wildlife Commission, which actually runs the department's um, ability to do their job. They don't run the department, but they authorize the department to extend, expend funds or start any new scientific studies and, and, a, and a bunch of other things. But that Fish and Wildlife Commission has authority under the law as well. Yeah. So that's a hot mess. Um, uh, Going to pivot real quick um, to legislation. Um, and what I can tell people is, is that uh, in the last two podcasts, we've, Brought you up to speed on a bunch of gun control bills that came out in the state of Kentucky. And while this is not a pro-gun or anti-gun podcast, we are just informing the public. Uh, we informed you about a bunch of gun control bills because some of these bills and the definitions that they sought to promulgate or definitions they sought to make for assault weapons would basically outlaw some of our favorite hunting firearms. Um, and so... Uh, give you an update, give everybody an update on those bills. Um, real quick, I'll run through them. Uh, House Bill 31, Senate Bill 32, House Bill 45, House Bill 76, 
House Bill 192 and House Bill 259 were all new gun control bills, um, all sponsored uh, by the Democrats who are in the minority in our legislature, and none of them have made it out of committee yet. So that's a great deal for sportsmen and women. Yep. Um, you know, if they take the language out that that uh, doesn't infringe upon our hunting firearms, you know, basically, you know, I might stand aside and and not jump in with uh, the NRA and the Second Amendment folks. But the bottom line is when you, you know, take it so far as to you're starting to limit hunting firearms, that's something that, you know, we have to report on here because we're for the sportsmen and the sportswomen. Yeah. Um, <coughs> out of all of the, <coughs> excuse me, so there were two bills um, that were really good um, that we've reported on previously. One was House Bill 52, which was a bill to expand coyote hunting at night. Um, unfortunately, that is also still a committee. We would all really love to see that um, get out of committee and get a vote in the House. Um, we got the entire month of uh, March to do that. And, uh, and then once it gets a vote in the House, we'd love to see it move over to the Senate, get a vote there, and then after both houses approve it, of course, it goes to the governor's desk. Um, the one bill that is moving really quickly is House Bill 369, and, and everybody might remember us talking about House Bill 369, but that's the bill that changed the way that deer processors and taxidermists can dispose of cervid carcasses. So cervids are deer, moose, caribou, and elk. Um, any any species or subspecies of those four are all classified as cervids, and um, they are potentially animals that could get chronic wasting disease. And as such, disposal of their carcasses um, has to be done in in a proper way. But this bill, House Bill 369, came up so fast that there was really not enough time for our taxidermists, our butchers, and our deer processors to to really get involved and and talk about it. And so 369 would only allow two methods to dispose of cervid carcasses. One, they'd have to be buried at a certain depth and each cavity filled with lime, or they would have to go to a professionally managed landfill. And a lot of our processors are, you know, very ethically disposing of those cervid carcasses, mm -hmm. but they're not going to those lengths. Some of them are, um, you know, using a rendering plant or some other outfit yeah. Um, but that's no longer going to be um, legal. The challenge with House Bill 369 is it's already out of committee, and it's already out of the House, and it's already in the Senate. And no wildlife bill moved that fast this year for any reason. Yeah. Huh. I think one of the reasons that bill moved so fast is one of the co-sponsors of that bill was Tommy Turner, who's a... Uh, the chair of the Tourism and Outdoor Recreation Committee. And so that bill, after it was sponsored, went to his committee. And he was a co-sponsor and the chair of that committee. So he was able yeah. to move it as fast as he wanted to move it. Yeah. So, you know, that's unfortunate because uh, talk to some of our bigger uh, processors, like the guys over at Webb's uh, Meats here in Louisville, and, and, you know, they send their animals, they send their carcasses to a rendering plant. So that could be a real problem. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to completely, you know, shift. And the recommended um, amendment that the sportsmen's groups came together and asked for was, this makes sense in a CWD environment. We're not yet a CWD positive state. Mm -hmm. And proactive steps are good, but if it's a proactive step that limits the number of processors we have, 
or, or it really hurts a small town processor or small town taxidermist's ability to do their job. It's impacting a small business. Let's make this effective after this deer season. So go ahead right. and vote on it this year, but make the effective date March for, or excuse me, February 1st of 2021. Yeah. Basically giving all the processors, butchers, and taxidermists, especially the small business owners this year mm-hmm. to um, make arrangements yeah. to use a landfill or to make arrangements. They may have to buy a bulldozer the way that they require them to be buried and add the lime and everything yeah. now. So yeah, just a longer transition period. Absolutely. Yeah. So House Bill 369 has legs, which is pretty scary that it moved that fast, but that's politics. Um, some other good news, and this is good news, you know, um, with our backcountry hunters and anglers hats on, you know, we're for clean air, clean water, and public lands. House Bill 334 is a new bill that, that got nominated right at the end of the session, and it's going to require an environmental amendment to our state constitution. And basically the way that would work is if House Bill 334 got approved, then we would see it come out as a ballot initiative in the next general election. And basically what House Bill 334 would like to write into the Kentucky Constitution is that it's a right of every Kentuckian to have clean air, pure water, and to preserve the natural and scenic, historic, and aesthetic value of our environment. So that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, then uh, we already went over House Bill 352, which was, you know, the governor's budget turned into a bill. Um, and then we have um, House Bill 45. So then there's a new bill, uh, House Bill 45. And, and Ben, let me tell you, that was sorely needed. Um, with House Bill 45 for violating wildlife laws, rules, and admin regulations in the state. And, you know, it, in some ways, this is decades late getting done because there are out-of-state hunters that come to Kentucky that don't even buy a license. Because the out-of-state license costs twice as much as the fine. Oh, yeah. So to, to be a legal hunter from out-of-state costs you twice as much as if you get caught hunting without a license so these guys don't even buy one so house bill 485 is going to correct that um it's not out of committee yet but it it not only increases the financial costs um if you get caught poaching but it um in some cases increased the uh jail time so house bill 45 is a good bill we hope everybody gets behind that one Mm. not to editorialize or sensationalize like we try not to but that's a that's a universal good one ladies and gentlemen um then um, another new bill is House oh, Bill yeah. 511. Uh, okay, and so another new bill that's actually good news is House Bill 511 or 511. And it expands the legal donation of game meat to valid nonprofits and uh, specifically says to and from cooperative, extens- cooperative extension agents, specifically those at UK and Kentucky State. And then finally, we have one more new bill, and I'm Sad to say, it's not a good bill. Um, Should have ended on a good note. I know. I wish I could, but you know, <laughs> I try to move numerically. You know, and there's there's over 500 bills in the House that I have to pay attention to, and almost 200 bills in the Senate. Ugh. So my brain basically turns to mush if I don't keep them in order numerically. Yeah. The last bill is uh, House Bill 529, and um, without going into exceptional detail, this bill would allow um, local governments to restrict carry concealed in their government buildings 
And prior to this bill, um, there was a law that prohibited local governments. Just what is that? Is this just concealed, not open? Yeah, which is crazy, yeah. right? So there was a law that um, this this amends the law that prohibited local governments from preventing concealed carry in those government buildings. So it's a double negative, and it's a really hard bill to understand. I had to read it about 17 times. Um, this bill would then allow local governments um, to limit um, both the employees in the building and anybody coming in or out of the building from concealed carry. And so in these local, you know, especially rural courthouses, um, and the courthouse annexes, there's not always a law enforcement officer in there. Right. It's not like the big city, big county. You know, it's not like you know Jefferson County, Boone County, Warren County, mm-hmm. um, Fayette County, where you know the courthouse, the courthouse annexes have security, and uh, you can walk right in, walk right out, and everybody knows your name. You know, yeah. it, it's it's like the bar cheers, but the first day someone gets really angry and goes in there, you've got no way to protect yourself if you're abiding by what would be possible under this yeah. new law yeah. so um once again we have an urban legislator who is you know seeking to limit either gun rights or gun carrying rights and doing so with statewide legislation which would really impact um the way people operate in our in most of the state of kentucky which is you know really out of 120 counties it's really about you know um, 106 of our counties, you you could really say, are are rural counties where they just don't have the the local police force, either city or county police force, nor do they have a robust robust uh, county sheriff. Yeah. And and so you know the people really are their own security in some of these places. And a bill like this that limits concealed carry, especially you know more so for the people that work in the building. Yeah. You know, I'd hate to see where we wrote some legislation that limited someone's ability to carry concealed in a government building in a small county, you know, in rural Kentucky, and someone gets angry about their property taxes or, you know, some something mm-hmm. and comes to that building and does somebody harm, and these people were law-abiding and didn't have a method to protect themselves. Right. So, you know, I don't really – I think I can, can surmise where that legislator's going with that legislation, but uh, – there's, there's just really, you know, something we need to report to everybody, and I, and I don't want to editorialize too much, but it, it, it is just another bill that's marginalizing our rural counties and our and our rural brothers and sisters yeah. across the state. So, um, thank goodness that is it for legislation. And when I say that's it for legislation, um, the first three days in March are the last three days that any legislator can propose any new legislation and we had over 700 bills that made it um, from bill requests to becoming actual bills and of course a lot of those are redundant and a lot of those are basically on the same subject there's a lot of veterans rights bills there's a lot of pension bills there's a lot of uh, you know um, bills to improve the way we deal with the opioid crisis Uh, unfortunately there's a slew of you know gun control bills which impact sportsmen and women and some um very very strange bills um that um, would blow your mind if you had to do like i do and sit down and read every single one of them but uh most of them won't get out of committee and um that's probably a good thing yeah Uh, i felt like i ran a mile (laughs) 
I'm uh, I'm really interested <laughs> to see where the uh, the 5.5 million where that where that where you that know, leads. Yeah, I, I mean I I understand. You know, my wife's a, a my 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 wife and her entire family are educators. Mm-hmm. My wife's the principal of a small private school right now. I understand that we don't pay teachers enough and that increasing teachers pay and benefits is, you know, a way to not just retain good teachers but recruit new ones. I totally get yeah. that. I think yeah. every Kentuckian totally gets that. But instead of finding a way to make new revenue, we're basically robbing every place else to do that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's really just not – in the context of sportsmen and women, it's absolutely not fair because the bottom line is is the Department of Fish and Wildlife is not paid for by the general fund. Yeah. It's paid for by us. So you're robbing us twice, you know. I mean, we already pay our taxes, and now you're taking money right out of the, the money that we pay to manage what is near and dear to us by the Department of Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. So um, I'm also interested to see if our new attorney general, Daniel Cameron, and his office – take action against our former attorney general, who's now our governor, uh, Andy Bashir, for dismissing um, Dr. Carl Kleinard, the um, ninth district and chairman of the commission, ninth district commissioner, chairman of the commission, and seventh district commissioner, uh, Mr. Paul Horn. I'd really like to see um, Daniel Cameron in the attorney general's office tell the governor he can't do it that right. way. Um, I don't think he'll cut him any slack. No, I don't think that they're going to be friends. And the number of times that Governor Bashir sued Governor Bevan, um, uh, I don't think he should expect mercy. Right. Yeah. What was that, like <laughs> once a week? <laughs> it was pr- It was a lot. Um, so that basically does it for informing our listeners uh, for what's going on at the national level and the state level. Um, you know, uh, if you want to get involved, if you listen to this podcast um, so that, you know, you're informed, and, and that's Ben and I's mission. Our mission is to inform you as best we can, and we monitor everything, you know, for weeks at a time before we come back on and do another one of these podcasts to try to keep everybody informed. But really the next level is taking action. Yeah. And if they want to take action at the national level, Ben, what, what would they do? Go to uh, backcountryhunters.org. Hit the Take Action tab. You can see a list of things there that's going on, and click on click on one of them, and it'll preformat an email for you and shoot it to the appropriate appropriate people. Yep, easy you, you go easy as can be. Easy peasy. Yeah, you go to backcountryhunters.org. So it's all one word: backcountryhunters.org, and uh, you go to the Take Action, and uh, you'll be able to read up on the things that Ben reported on and if you decide that you want to send an email to your uh, federal legislators in the federal senate and the federal house all you gotta do is put in your address and uh, you know hit send and it will send uh, very professionally worded emails on your behalf um, on those issues to um, our federal folks in the Senate and our federal folks in the House. Um, And if they want to take, if folks, after you listen to this, you want to take action on any of the state issues, uh, the best place to do it is um, our friends over at Kentuckiana Safari Club have um, picked up 
the baton and ran with it. Uh, it's something that our brothers and sisters over at uh, LKS used to do. But uh, they've taken it to the next level, and they developed a website, and that website is www.kysci-lac.com, K-Y-S-C-I-L-A-C.com, and that stands for Kentuckiana Safari Club Legislative Affairs Committee. And they have a position paper on every single one of these bills and everything that's going on uh, in Frankfurt that impacts sportsmen and women. You can do your own research, make up your own mind for or against. You don't have to agree with the position papers they've got out there, but it gives you just a few buttons to click to find out who your legislators are in Frankfurt and how to contact them as well. So two resources there. We don't just report to you what's going on at the federal and state level. Uh, we tell you how to find a way to take action and uh you know ben a lot of folks think this day and age there's really nothing you can do you know the inertia with the federal and state government mm -hmm. just run just runs us over as regular as regular folks oh, yeah. you know and uh and i'm here to tell you the folks at those levels man federal and state we elect them they work for us we do not work for them and at the at the state level they'll tell you uh those legislators will tell you if they get a total of 30 emails uh, and phone calls, so total, not 30 of each, uh, 30. They will take action in the direction that their constituents uh, tell them to take action. So it doesn't take a whole lot for your state representative, your state senator, um, to realize that his constituents are not playing around. <sighs> so we're done beating that horse, oh, yeah. brother. Any any final thoughts, things you want to talk about tonight? Uh, if uh, Going back to the national issue with the United States Forest Service, Access project. If I can find a link or something to that, I will put that into the show notes, show description, whatever it's called. Uh, that way, people can, if they know of 640 contiguous acres that has terrible access, and they want to nominate that, nominate that. We've got a, we've got quite a bit of land here in Kentucky with that's uh, maintained by the Forest Service. So I'm sure there's quite a bit out there. But yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll put that in the show notes if I can find it for sure. Okay, we're right on. So uh, we're going to do everything we can to keep you guys informed. Uh, we appreciate you listening, um, and we hope that you do your civic duty and, and uh, take, the, uh, take the heads up that we're giving you and go do more research and then contact uh, your legislators so that they know where you stand on these issues. Um, it's really the best way to get involved is to hit those two websites. And uh, um, we would like to thank our sponsor, uh, our sponsor is Walter over at Louisville Toppers. Louisville Toppers here in uh, Louisville. On f it's at 4040 Preston Highway. Or you can get to them at uh, www.louisvilletoppers.com. Um, Walter's done a ton of work on my trucks over the last 10 years. It's always been quality work. And um, they're not pushy salesmen. And they really have the best of the best. Um, of all the things you could need to really upfit your truck or make your truck better, you know, whether it's a camper cap, topper, tonneau cover, uh, running boards, you know, uh, new um, uh, bull bar, you know, light bars, you name it, uh, they can do it over at uh, Louisville Toppers. And here's the best part. If you tell Walter that uh, Colonel Abel or Ben Bishop from um, the State of the Outdoors sent you uh, you'll get a discount on anything that you do over at louisville toppers so go see walter if you're uh thinking about doing any updates to your truck 
And uh, that wraps it up for us right now. Um, there will be a Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting on the 20th, as we talked about. So we'll try to knock out a show after that so that we can inform everybody about what went on at the Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting. And, uh, you know, that's another two weeks gone by, and, and we'll at least be able to report on uh, what happened uh, with the land and water conservation uh, fully funded, being fully funded yeah. or not and uh, President Trump's budget and whether or not that's friendly uh, to sportsmen or not. So we have another show coming up on the horizon. Uh, final thoughts, Ben? You good? Uh, I think I'm good. Okay. I just want to remind everybody that uh, this podcast is a production of the Slow Hunt LLC Media Network. Remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast.